My idea of heaven is a great big baked potato and someone to share it with. Oprah Winfrey is credited with saying, Oh, let's hope not. Heaven has to be more than that. Heaven is more than that. And what's more, our experience of heaven can start before we die. Heaven's doors are open. In fact, you know what? God is wanting to meet you in heaven right now, right where you are, as you are, breathing and living this moment. How can that be since you are not dead? Heaven? Right now? Right here? With Him? What's your idea of heaven? Buckle up. With the purpose of building up the body of Christ through local discipleship, national partnerships, and international support of indigenous missionary activity, welcome to Hope Builders International. Lance Thollander. I'm here with my friend Mark Haskins on a beautiful Sunday morning, and we're going to have a discussion this morning on the subject of heaven, which is a dearly loved word in Christian circles, but in my mind, one of the most misunderstood words at the same time. So, Mark, as we start this conversation, I'm just wondering, what was your take? You've been a believer for a long time. What was your take about heaven as a young believer, as your Getting older as a believer, how, how do you relate to that word? Well, it is, uh, is an important word in our Christian walk and Christian life. And I have to admit, Lance, that to me heaven was uh, out in the beyond outer space. It was someplace far away that one day uh, would be revealed to me and that I would be in and where God resides. But it was way out there. You know, there are over 700 references to heaven in the Bible. But the interesting thing to me is, especially in the New Testament, the word actually is not heaven. The word is the heavens or the heavenlies, which I think is important because it more shows us that this is a a realm, it's a place, it's not just a futuristic location that we're going to. And uh, and that's important. And, um, you know, the very beginning of the Bible... Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So what heavens do most people think that is that he created? What what do you think about that? Certainly, I would have just put it as the non-earth part of his creation. And that non-earth part was not where I experienced or uh, lived life. Yeah. In my mind, what happened there, God created the heavens, and he created them for himself. You know, in our last podcast, we talked about uh, the Lord's name, being a door to the Lord's presence. And so you could ask the question, okay, well, where is the Lord? And Because I've asked people this question over and over, and invariably they say, well, he's everywhere. Well, okay, but if he's everywhere, that makes him a little hard to locate. How do you find somebody who's everywhere? You know, so here in Genesis 1-1, you see God creating this realm called the heavens. 
And then I think he moved in there. Why? Well, so we could find him. So he, he wants to be found by us. And in the Psalms, there's a verse that says, The Lord dwells in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. So I think if we begin to, begin to think about the heavens as a place where God lives, that's his realm, then we can begin to think of that as a place that, well, can we go there? Do, do we have a right to be there? And if we do, that opens up a pretty wonderful avenue of experience for us. Well, it was certainly, uh, as, I, as I read the chapter and thought about the truths that you were unveiling there, it sort of changes, it, it totally changes mm-hmm. that concept of where God is, the invitation to be where he is, and it is not a future uh, scenario. In some sense, it will have a manifestation in the future, but sure. right now, there is a current manifestation of right. experiencing and living in the heavens. So, yeah, that's yeah. That. so. In some sense, we could all write a book yeah. about my twenty minutes in heaven or my wow, uh, yeah. twenty years in heaven. Yeah, uh, for those of us who are believers. Yeah. yeah, you know, you mentioned what your feelings were towards heaven growing up. I mean, I remember as a young boy sitting in church and hearing the pastor. You know, our Father who art in heaven, you know, or our <laughs> Heavenly Father. And right. I just sat there thinking, wow, that just sounds so far away. You know, somehow he, okay, he was out there in heaven, but it was millions of miles away. And honestly, how how would I ever get there? Or could, could he really hear my prayers from that great distance? And I just want to reiterate, you know, we both had that experience. So... The idea that the heavens are way, way out there, that's just mistaken. You know, and we really, of course, see this in Jesus. But um, Yeah, I read, I read a recent commentary on a passage in Ephesians uh, 2. And the commentary was talking about, um, you know, believers are not yet possessed mm-hmm. of their seats in heaven. Um, but each of them has a place prepared for them. And boy, I, I think that sort of signifies our, our historical view of it. It, it sounds yeah. like, you know, I have a hotel reservation, yeah. but I'm not yet there. Yeah. And yet it is more than that. Yeah. So that's great. Well, Ephesians 2 6, sometimes we like to place this as what we call positional truth. You know, you're, there's a position available, but, right. but, you know, I mean, it says God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Well, that sounds like a done deal. That sounds like it's present. Somehow I have access to the heavens. The heavens are somehow available to us. And that's an intriguing Mm -hmm. thought, an intriguing reality. Well, one of the the interesting aspects of the chapter that just kick-starts this whole new thought is how, Lance, you expound on and sort of bring to modern-day reality uh, the story of Jacob's Ladder. Mm. And, uh, again, I will confess in my early Christian years, that just seemed like one of those super spiritual weird dreams that uh, Hall of Fame Christians have that I really couldn't understand. But in, in a very real sense, that ladder is what really creates this 
new image in my mind, this new truth in my mind that we do have access. Can you just expand yeah. on that notion yeah. of Jacob's ladder a bit? Yeah, of course, that's the story where J- it's in Genesis 28. If you guys want to look at it afterwards. And he has a dream and there's a ladder and the bottom is on the earth and the top is reaching to the heavens and the angels of God are going up and down and uh, the Lord tells Jacob the land he's on, they're going to give it to him. And Jacob's response to all that is to say how awesome this place is. This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. So here you have a place on the earth. It's an interaction between God and man. And Jacob is calling that the house of God and the very gate of heaven. So, of course, we're familiar with the terminology, the house of God. That's what we call our meeting places oftentimes, you know, we're the house of God. But if we are, then what that really means is uh, there should be a place on earth that heaven is interacting with. There's a place where God is making his will known. His will was to have a people and to make... Uh, to bless Jacob and give him all these seed and his this land and so that's that that's what it is it's the place where God can interact with us and we see there's a place where earth and heaven are to be joined God wants yeah us to have access to him where he is right and he wants us to be aware of the access that he wants to avail himself of to us right it's yeah. a two-way. Yeah, and you see this so clearly in Jesus. And if you think about it, just once you start having this thought that the heavens really are accessible, I think most Christians have experienced heaven. Yes. They have yeah. touched the heavens, but they just they don't realize it. They, they don't know it because, you know, heaven's been, again, it's one of these words that's been, you know, if these words can be diluted or... Uh, marginalized or somehow pushed away, then we don't fully grasp what's, what the Lord has done through the cross, through putting himself in us. But when you realize, if if you actually have an experience with God, don't you have to be touching the, another realm, the heavenly realm? So it's not something that's that mysterious or that weird. I mean, most Christians, I believe, have really tasted heaven. They've touched heaven. And so it's not something you need to do differently but just to begin to realize wow i i have this access the door is open and all those wonderful relational things that we think of as waiting for us in the future when we die and go to heaven yeah those are available in a foretaste way in a real way not in a continuous way because we're still in the body we're still of this earth but we can experience that and build up that anticipation that expectation that hope right and you know and that's to me i love that because i have to say for a lot of years of my life i was not excited really about going to heaven i I have to say i wasn't you know the idea that it was mansions on a street of gold or angels with harps or you know some kind of eternal choir i mean that that just didn't really you know honestly stir my heart very much so that notion even of you know that kind of a place being heaven uh i'm happy to replace that with an idea that though there's a realm where god rules where he does what he wants and 
it's a, we've been invited into that. And like you say, and of course, in the future, we're going to have the reality of that. But it isn't just a place where, you know, you live in a big house or a small house, depending on how you work that out, but uh, where angels are playing harps. That just never moved me very much. Now, one of the things that uh, is, is quite intriguing as we get into the chapter a little further mm-hmm. is uh, you expand on Matthew 6. And, uh, in a, and this is where it starts getting uh, accessible and practical. You right. talk about, you know, we meet God in that secret place. Right. Do we each have a secret place? What, where is that secret place? Yeah, what a great question that is. You know, to me, to go back just a little bit, you know, what, one of the tragedies of the garden, the garden was kind of a secret place in a certain sense. You know, Adam and Eve would be in the garden, and, and God would come there, and they'd hear his sound, and they would have a relationship with him. So that was a place on earth where heaven and earth touched. Now, in the fall, what happened? You know, I said, you, in the day that you eat that fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, you will surely die. Well, what died that day? I think what died that day was their access to heaven. They're, they lost their contact with God. Man became just totally earthly, lost his ability. And, of course, when Jesus comes, it's so interesting. You know, did you hear John the Baptist? What's the first thing? He, what's his announcement when he comes? Repent. Why? The kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of the heavens is at hand. And, you know, when Jesus goes to get baptized, you hear this voice out of the heavens. And uh, so you hear Jesus, you know, he begins his, his ministry. And what he's taught, what's he say? Repent. The kingdom of the heavens is at hand. Now, I don't believe he's talking about 2,000 years from then or 4,000 years or whatever. So, Kind of to go back to your question and and to go to Matthew 6, because in that chapter, Jesus says like five times within a space of just a couple minutes, you know, a couple lines about his father who is in the heavens, my father who is in the heavens. And when you pray, go into your secret place. So where is that secret place? That was your question. But just to sort of put it, in a, when you see Jesus showing up and inviting us into this place, now, to me, yes, that we've talked actually about this because we did the podcast on the Spirit, and we talked did the podcast on calling on the Lord, and right. we've gone over this, that there actually is a place in us, our Spirit, where Jesus lives. And when we, you, yes, you are carrying the heavens in you in a secret place in you where you can go and meet with your father if you're meeting with your father where does he live and from the context of our conversation you know jesus just saying here in matthew 6 over and over yeah my father who is in the heavens so if you're in a secret place in you somehow you know i love narnia where they talk about they get into Narnia and they realize that the inside is bigger than the outside. So you're going into your secret place in you, and somehow you end up in this place with your father that's, I mean, it can seem limitless, it can seem boundless. But how, how exciting is that to realize that, wow, I have a place in me where I can go, this secret place. 
you know, in my heart, in my spirit, where I can meet with my Lord. That's so exciting. And the key to that, lest I start thinking I'm pretty special, yeah. the key to that is Jesus is that door. Yeah. He's that portal Absolutely. into that place. Yeah. You know, we got to say it again. We've talked about this in another podcast, but, you know, that door, to be that door, cost him everything. You yes. know, that yes. it was the cross, through the cross, that allowed him to be glorified, that allowed him to become the life-giving spirit, that allowed him to cover our sins, to cleanse us. You know, we're going to come to a word here a little later in the in this chapter, but it's the word sanctuary. You know, in the Old Testament, the sanctuary was the place where God met with man. Build me a sanctuary. Why? So that I can dwell among you, so that I can speak with you, so that I can meet you face to face as Moses did as a man mm-hmm. talks to his right. friend. And we're actually going to talk more about that in the church chapter, but... Um, you know, what's a sanctuary? You know, it's the place where God meets with man. And, and the verses talk about you have been sanctified. And we, I don't know, we think about sanctification. It's another one of those words that's not in the book. But what does it mean to be sanctified? It means you have been made a sanctuary. You have been a, made a place where God can dwell so that you can meet him and hear from him. And one of the beautiful things that conjures up for me is sanctuaries are safe places mm, yeah. it's a safe place where we can meet god yeah not f- needing to be fearful of uh have we earned the right to meet god mm-hmm. today in that place have we done uh the 17 things that we feel we need to have done have we uh, are we not worthy to be in that sanctuary and yeah. uh, you introduce that in the chapter by talking about our spiritual birth mm. and becoming citizens of this new realm. Right. And I love this concept of citizens mm. and all the rights, freedoms, opportunities that are bestowed on us simply because of our new spiritual birth, not mm. because we've earned the citizenship. Right. Expand on that a bit, please. You know, Jesus, again, talked of his father being in the heavens. But when he talked about himself, what did he, where did he say he was from? You know, he kept saying, I am from above. You are from below. Well, wasn't Jesus born on the earth? Right, yes. Wasn't he born in Bethlehem? I mean, you'd think he would say... I'm from Bethlehem, but he didn't. And that didn't they say that of him? Isn't he from Bethlehem? Isn't he from Nazareth? Has any good thing ever come out of Nazareth? But Jesus is saying, I am from above. And he talks about himself being the bread. I came the bread that came down out of heaven to give life to the earth. And so this idea of citizenship, did Jesus have a right to live on the earth? Sure. Sure. Why? He was born on the earth he was born in bethlehem and you know i'm from san francisco i have a right to call myself a san franciscan because because i was born there you're from i don't think colorado born in colorado but you you are a coloradan in your heart yeah and you have a right to go there and i know your family takes pride in right 
their Colorado heritage. Don't they have a special license plate? Or yes, something? Pioneer plates. Yeah. So they're proud of that yeah, heritage. Right. And what gives you the right to say that is is your birth, your birthright. And so here Jesus comes along and says, I'm born out of the heavens. And he says to Nicodemus, you must be what? You must be born from above right. if you want to enter the kingdom. Now, we're going to talk about the kingdom in the next podcast. But here Jesus is saying there's a way to become a citizen of heaven, and that's to be born out of that realm. And we talk about one of our favorite Christian expressions is being born again. Well, actually, be the literal word there is being born from above. So if you've been born... I've been born from San Francisco. I have a right to live there. Well, have I been born out of the heavens? Yes. I have. In fact, Paul doesn't Paul say your citizenship is in the heavens? I mean, here, we actually have citizenship out of the heavens because we've been born out of there through the life of Christ. So I have a right to be on earth, and I have a right to be in heaven. It's amazing that this is, it's not, and it's not like, because like, I, I like, I love the way you talk about this, that God didn't have to do this just because he had to, because, you know, God is love, therefore he has to love you. No, he wanted to give himself to you. He wanted you to experience right. his realm. Right. You know, my father wants you to be in this secret place and you have a right to be there. So, of course, thoughts come against us. Well, it's very easy to be uh, come against as I'm unworthy right. of that citizenship. Yeah. Or uh, I've got to earn that citizenship by what I think, say, do, uh, and the like. And uh, to have that invitation uh, to fellowship with the Lord in His dwelling place, yeah. If we if we latch onto that real, really, we we can find heavenly peace, joy, yeah. fellowship, uh, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim, as yeah. that wonderful song says. Yeah. And you know, Mark, we again, if this doesn't have to be uh, like some big revelation or some big right. emotional experience. Right. Right. I mean, you and I have had experiences where. You know, maybe something's come between us or misunderstanding or distance or something. And, you know, we've sat down together and somehow the Lord has brought us together to share our hearts and to reaffirm our love for each other. And, and you know, that's heavenly. You know, there's a heavenly breakthrough of love, of peace, of light, of life. So, in my mind, you know, when we think about the fruits of the Spirit, love joy, peace, patience, long-suffering. I mean, these are heavenly things that we get to experience on earth that are so necessary. You know, true unity, true love. This is heaven. These These are the attributes of the heavens, of God, being able to be released among us. And earth is just calling out for this you know i mean the people of god are just so hungry for reconciliation or for these kinds of things and back to one reason i love to talk to you about this stuff is the way you love to talk about god the father wanting to be our daddy you know and there's a verse 
you know, in Matthew again, where Jesus says, Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in the heavens. Your heavenly Father, and again, that's that's a phrase that needs to be recaptured. Absolutely, not it's not your Father who's like a million light years away from you in the heavens, but it's your Father who lives in the heavens wants to bring the benefits of that realm into your heart, so you can share that with others, and others can sense heaven in you. You know, again, is this every day, every minute? No, but right. the the possibility is there, and Jesus is saying. You know, my dad, I love my dad. So he was a good father. Um, so is the idea that I can't, I shouldn't have called him my father. No, I don't. You know, Jesus is there. He's talking in it. You know, they're surrounded by the Pharisees and the Sadducees who they called father. You know, they gave him this title. And, and, and that's the context Jesus is talking in. And so what I think he's clearly saying there is, you know, don't just give these titles to people on earth flippantly or casually. I mean, I don't, I'm not against respecting those who serve the body of Christ, not at all. But I just hear the heart of the Father saying, I'm your Father. Look directly to me. I want to be intimately related to you. Call me your Father and come into that secret place and have a relationship with me. Now. Now. He's waiting for you, and you don't have to wait until you die. Right. And it's lovely to think about, then, the John uh, 10 passage about my sheep hear my voice uh, and can come in and out. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. in and out of where? <laughs> you doing what? You tell me, Mark, in and out of where? Those heavenly places <laughs> where our Father waits with us, waits for us. Absolutely. And my sheep hear my voice and follow me, and they will go in and out and find pasture. Wow. We follow the Lord. He leads us into the heavens to fellowship with him and his Father. We go through Jesus Christ to God. We come out. We relate to the world. I mean, it's... It's Jacob's ladder in it, action. We're we're back to Jacob's ladder, and and uh, and of course, there's a personal experience of that, and there's a corporate experience of that. That you know, it, 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 everything really starts in my own heart. I mean, I need to realize I can go there, and then as I do that with other believers, wow, the benefit, the corporate benefit to that of being able to access heaven, access the Father. So one of the things I, I'm going to do now as I read uh, through the scriptures is every time I come to the word heaven, I'm going to insert heavens or heavenlies. Yeah, and that good. And I have done a little bit of that, and it does change that yeah. concept of right. uh, time. Yeah. It's now, not later. Yeah. Uh, it changes the concept of the welcome it's an invitation not a place to be earned the right to mm-hmm. it, it raises this notion of i am a citizen of that realm and so just that change of how we even read those words uh heaven to heavenlies or heavens is uh, a magnificent way to then sort of say 
I have access to that through Jesus Christ. And there is an invitation. And so I really, really love this chapter in in that, Mm -hmm. um, yes, heaven will be wonderful in the new earth and new heavens, but there is heavenly opportunities for us now. Yeah. Why can we do this? Why can we have this experience? And like every other Christian experience, it's because Jesus... Right, led the way. You know, Jesus was a frequent visitor, if you will, <laughs> to the heavens. You know, mm-hmm. Jesus dined on his father. You know, my father. You know, unless you eat of him, so Jesus ate of the father. Jesus drank of the father. One of my favorite verses, I got to say, Mark, is in Second Corinthians five, where Paul writes this: "For we know." That if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, what do we have left? We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So here Paul is saying there's a building going on in you, inside you. And it's a house that's being built, and it's eternal, but it's eternal in the heavens. There's already a heavenly building going on inside of you. And and then he goes on to say, you know, sometimes we groan. You know, we want want that inner reality to be our total reality, and it's not on this planet because of everything that comes against us. But Paul goes on to say, uh, we groan so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. And then he says this, now he who prepared us for this very reason. And you could say he who designed us mm. for this very reason, mm. for this very purpose of what? To have this eternal heavenly building and to have this experience. He who designed us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the spirit as the earnest, mm. as the down payment, as the as the beginning mm. payment. So and I think the, the invitation also is to, when we find ourselves communing, communing with the Lord, hearing His voice, feeling His arms around us, let's don't be bashful to say we are having a heavenly experience. Amen, Mark. In the heavens designed for that very relationship. Yes. And Amen. thank you, Lord, for that foretaste. Yes. And uh, it, mm-hmm. grasp it now. Yeah, uh, that, reading the chapter just mm-hmm. opened that portal for me. You know. For our listeners, you know, if Mark and I have a, an encouragement to you today, it's the same that we encourage ourselves with: claim your inheritance through the blood of Christ. You know, enter the heavenly place where your Father dwells. That's inside of you. Are you going to be good at it? Are we going to be as good at it as Jesus? No, we're not. Just begin, and if you're already doing this, just keep on. You know, invite your Father to build into you the riches of that realm. Uh, If you haven't done this before, why don't you stop right now? Just stop right now and just invite the Lord to bring the richness of His heavenly presence into your day. You can do that. We can do that. Just take a few moments to allow your Lord, your heavenly Father, to love you as only he can. And you know what? You have the right to do that. 
You have the right to touch the heavens. Listen for your Father's voice. He's waiting for you, and He loves you. So, Thank you for listening. Join us again in our next podcast where we'll explore the relationship of the heavens to the kingdom of God. Thank you for listening to Hope Builders International. Discover ways that you can join us with building up the body of Christ by visiting our website at hope-builders.org.